Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of I'm Like Consulting, Christian Klepp. Okay, welcome to this episode of the B2B Marketers in the Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I am joined by someone who is on a mission to empower marketers to gain actionable insights when conducting market research. So it's all about getting to that aha moment. So coming to us from Bangkok, Thailand, Mr. Darshan Mehta. Let me see if I can get this right. Sawadika. Welcome to the show. Sawadika. <laughs> 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 it's great to be here, Christian. Thank you very much. Really looking forward to this conversation, Darshan. So let's uh, let's dive right in. Sure. Okay. So, you know, you're no stranger to market research, right? In fact, you authored a book on the subject, and it was called, you know, back to what I was saying earlier, getting to aha. So why today's insights are tomorrow's facts. So this is something that's extremely important for B2B organizations that actually have taken the initiative to invest in market research. So talk to us about the nature of insights and what they are. Sure. First of all, let's talk about the definition of insights, because I think that's often a term that's used loosely and, and differently by different people. Um, I would say that insights do not stop at just facts and observations. It's much deeper. It's also taken into consideration sociological trends, cultural uh, impacts, as well as technological. And I'd say probably the best example I can give you of what an insight is, when we are uh, listening to a really good comedian and they basically take observations and things and they articulate in a way that makes you say, oh my God, I never thought of it that way, but that's so true. And that's the other part of an insight. It, you're actually trying to get to a core truth, an underlying trigger motivator that's a core truth. And you kind of know it as soon as you see it. And it just makes total sense because ultimately what you're trying to do with an insight is you're trying to tap into the subconscious of human behavior because 95% of choices that we make are actually driven by our subconscious. And what happens is that these are some of these thoughts that we think them, we feel them, but it's rare that it's been articulated into a thought that's concise and we understand. So that's why I'm a big proponent of conversations to tap into these insights so that you actually can get at a core truth. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And, you, you know, at the end of the day, you need to get to these insights and so that you can actually act upon what you find in the research, right? Because, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's that classic question. What's the research telling you? What's the data telling you? How can you act upon that? How can you use that? How can that influence decision making? How can that influence you to go down the right path? Absolutely. And actually, and actually give you direction and also... You know, most businesses, what they're looking for is a way to innovate, to differentiate, and to build loyalty. And this is, you know, after years of doing this for a while, I've, I've learned that if you can gain insights, it's one of the best, easiest way to actually innovate. And, you know, it's also a way to differentiate. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you, you know, like, on to the next question, which is kind of linked to what you were saying right now, is like, how do you best... And I know there's many ways. How, how do you best uncover insights when you're conducting market research? 
There's a couple of things I would say here. One, let's just take a step back and say, what is market research? I think sometimes people think it's ivory tower, expensive, complicated. It really doesn't have to be. It's as simple as basically structured curiosity. And so one of the things I think it's also a challenge for, especially for business owners and entrepreneurs, is to step out of your shoes as being an expert and actually listen to what customers are saying. It's not important what the facts are. What's more important is what their perceptions are. And that's what you want to tap into. So you want to, first of all, change your mindset from being an expert or a salesperson to actually listening and being more curious and also having more empathy. Having said that, there's many ways to pursue this, especially nowadays with digital. Obviously, you're going to get insights no matter what, because people are having conversations and giving you reviews uh, and talking to each other about your product or brand. So that's one way. The other way is basically the two traditional methods of research. One is qualitative, such as focus groups or interviews, and the other is surveys. And I'm a proponent of both. I think, however, you should use them both simultaneously and recognize the strengths and weaknesses of each. For example, I would uh, advocate doing focus groups first, having conversations, because that's what's gonna allow you to get deeper and get at the why. And once you have some clarity on you know, trying some different hypotheses and seeing how people will react, you will end up with a better survey. You'll have better questions and you'll also have better answer choices that are more relevant to the questions. And the combination of the two should give you a much deeper, better picture, but also that it's also quantifiable. Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved what you said earlier, structured curiosity. I mean, I could not put it better myself. I almost, you can almost liken it to, um, you know, if you watch shows like CSI and what have you, it's like the uh, the forensic scientists, right? Or, or the forensics experts. They're trying to conduct, not necessarily an autopsy, but it's it's that it's that investigative nature, right? Like you're trying to like diagnose the situation, like why this happened, what are the causes? How do you how do you get to an outcome? You know, something to that effect. You can't usually just have a direct line. You can't just ask mm. people, why does this happen, right? Mm. And in fact, many times people won't even give you a solution. Sure. Uh, there's often a quote by Henry Ford that's used with focus groups. And that is that he supposedly asked, if I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Faster horse, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, first of all, I'm not even, there's never been any proof that he actually said that. Sure. But in all honesty, but, most but people wouldn't quote, have said a faster horse. <laughs> yeah. Right, it's a good quote. <laughs> I think most likely what people would have said, they would have liked something faster, maybe easier. And so people will absolutely tell you their pain points. They'll tell you their frustrations. They'll tell you the things that bother them, aggravate them. They may not give you the solution. They don't know that because that's where you come in as the business person in your industry or in your category. And that's where you're listening to what their pain points are. And you say, you know, I think I know how I can solve this. And that's where the opportunities for innovation and differentiation occur. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's absolutely right. And that was a great segue to the next question about leveraging insights, you know, for um, innovation and uh, audience engagement. So, yeah, can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. You know, that's one of the things you're always looking for is to mm -hmm. innovate. And often the best ways to do that is to talk to people who use your product, including those that are dissatisfied. In fact, I would say often the kernels of innovation are the ones that are dissatisfied because they often end up being what I call like super fans. And they're just a little bit more picky, more uh, demanding. 
And as a result, they may complain. And in fact, I would say it's a compliment when they complain because they took the time to actually tell you because they think maybe you can improve or do better. And that's where the opportunities lie to innovate. And if you can become your biggest competitor and out innovate yourself, that's the one thing you can control. You can't control competitors and what they do and what they don't do, but you can control what you do. And I think you're often better off cannibalizing your own product or brand than having someone else do it. You brought up a really great point there and I'd like to go back to it. It's that um, having that conversation with clients or prospects that may not have necessarily been happy or satisfied with your product or service, or in fact, even lost prospects. Um, you, you, you rightfully pointed out the importance of talking to them, but why do you think a lot of companies avoid having those conversations? because it makes them uncomfortable? There's a lot of like sensitivity around, uh, around that uh, area or like, what are your thoughts on that? Great question. It's something I've asked many times. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Mm. I've often wondered, you know, a lot of the companies that are led by people that are also consumers in their own life yes. as in you know, a professional, uh, you know, people who buy business services, but also consumer product, but something happens when they come to work. And I'd have to say, I think part of it is that there's just, a real focus on metrics as opposed to really getting at what people think and feel. There might be also the perception, I think, uh, that it's a little bit difficult to do, um, but uh, it's actually not that difficult. And you can have conversations in many different ways. The main thing is to have them and have them on a regular basis. And I think you'll find that that's one of the, the greatest sources for insights, innovation, and differentiation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you also think it's, partly because people just don't want to change the status quo because that's that's probably what's going to happen if uh you have conversations with people that weren't either lost prospects or people that weren't happy with uh with your product or service i think that's a little bit of a truth there i mean i think that's a little bit true with human nature like we don't like mm. change for the most part and you know don't we might as well stay in our comfort zone exactly however you know the truth is in business there's constant change i mean that's the one thing that's constant is there's going to be change and your choice isn't whether there's going to be change or not. Your choice is, do you want to be a part of that change or even drive the change? Um, just like having, you know, people having conversations about your brand or service, you know, you have a choice. Can you be part of that conversation? Uh, of course. But that doesn't mean the conversation is not going on and existing, especially, you know, with digital uh, channels now, people can write reviews, tell each other. So the conversation is going to happen with or without you. And you have the opportunity to listen sooner or later. It's not whether you know, you're going to listen or not. I mean, one way or another, you're going to get an insight, right? If you basically don't talk to customers, you spend a lot of time and a lot of money and launch your product, you will find whether it's going to work or not. <laughs> and that will be an insight, right? Oh, yeah. But you can also uh, maybe you know, do that in advance where you can do some test balloons, some trials, get feedback, and maybe make some iterations so that you know when you really put your efforts of money and time behind a real campaign, your odds of being successful have been optimized because you've gotten feedback and tweaked it to what you uh, know is the marketplace is going to react positively to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, you just made me think of another question now that you mentioned it. Um, yeah, they call it dark social now, right? But like, you know, these conversations that are happening in channels or in, uh, in places that you can't necessarily either uh, measure and you have little control over. What, what are your thoughts on that? How, how much, um, 
how much emphasis uh, should marketers or people that are conducting market research place on uh, channels and dark social? I think you should always, uh, you know, listen to the feedback one way or the other. I don't think you need to overemphasize one or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's sometimes, you know, people are just going to be critical. But more than anything, instead of reacting to the criticism, try to understand what's actually driving this. Um, and if you can actually you know, respond to the negative or, or whatever feedback, it's better to be part of that conversation if you can than not. And oftentimes people are not upset that something goes wrong. They're more actually going to react to the way you respond than the fact that something went wrong. So I, I would encourage people to use all the possible ways they can to listen uh, and interact. But I would also encourage you know, doing your own active conversations with customers to so that you have um, something that can reach your objectives and it really answers some questions that you're having that are maybe not being answered in reviews or um, recommendations. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. You talked about some of them already in the past couple of minutes, but some mistakes and misconceptions that people have when it comes to generating uh, insights from market research and what needs to be done to address these. One thing I've seen over the years, oftentimes people want to get at the why, but they often gravitate towards doing surveys. And I think part of the reason is, one, most people are familiar with surveys. They've either taken one and they feel somewhat confident that they can write them. And oftentimes in the past, it's been less expensive than doing qualitative research. So even though they want to get at the why, they end up going down the avenue of doing actually quantitative. And I often find that people are often disappointed with results because they still can't get at the why. That's partly why I'm launching this high research platform. So you can allow it to do on-demand focus groups anytime, anywhere, in any language, and to really bring the cost down so that it's on par with you know more affordable uh, research for medium to small size companies, whereas traditionally doing qualitative has always been for larger corporations that had bigger budgets. But that doesn't mean the conversations can't be had or done. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Um, it's it's definitely much harder and, and definitely harder to track, right? And, you know, if you're looking at it from an attribution perspective, if you're conducting like in-depth customer research, because it's all qualitative, right? That's based on somebody's um, personal opinion and feedback. Whereas if, you're, if you've got a survey, well, you can come up with all these graphs and charts and, uh, you know, drop all the numbers in a, in a report, right? Well, I think, I think both are good. I, I, mm. I think there's real value to in-depth interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also value to having group discussions. Sure. Uh, what I like about the group discussion, it's something it allows you to be more focused on a topic, but with a group of people. And what I like about that is that everyone kind of feeds off of each other. Uh, similar to, let's say you go to a cocktail party, right? And you're with maybe five or six people and you start talking about a topic, but everybody's listening to each other and feeding off each other and doing a deeper dive, whether they realize or not, because you're saying, oh, that was really interesting, Christian. I never thought of that. But let me tell you what I'm thinking now that you made me think of that. And so as a result of that, you're going deeper and deeper. And that's where I think, um, you know, having a group discussion is also very valuable. But like I said, I, I, I think each methodology 
has its inherent pros and cons. You just need to recognize what they are. You need to understand your objectives and what it is you're really trying to answer. And then I think you can maximize each methodology to help you get there in terms of time, budget, and your objectives. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of, um, speaking of objectives, um, you know, this is table stakes for like people like yourself, you know, who, who have done this professionally for many years, but talk to us about the importance of actually having, you can call it a game plan, um, you know, or a strategy. Like what's the importance of having a strategy when you're trying to generate insights from market research? I think the, often people try to do too much. And I often uh, tell clients, I'm sure you have lots of questions to answer, but I want you to answer one question. And that is, if you could only ask one question, you can only, if you only get the answer to one question, first of all, what would that be? And who would you like to ask that question to? And that gets people to really focus. That doesn't mean you can't go beyond that and have some more questions, but you really need to understand what's the objective of this particular effort or this research that you're engaging in. And I think the more focused you are, the better the results and the insights will be. Um, and this is one of the other thing about research. It's not something that you just do once and never do it again. It's something that should be done on a regular basis and in different ways and have different objectives. And that will give you a more robust picture of the whole situation. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and speaking of which, doing research on a regular basis, um, how often should companies conduct research? And, or, and that's question one. And question two is like, what's the minimum in terms of the time frame? Well, there's so many ways to get feedback now. There's no one answer, I think, that fits mm -hmm. all or all types of companies. I think that really depends on your objectives. Your, uh, are you looking to innovate? Are you looking to build loyalty? Are you looking to test communication? So there's many different objectives that you can use uh, various research methodologies for. But I think that the key is to do it on a regular basis and use multiple methods. One, obviously, like I said, you're going to get information from reviews and recommendations that occur automatically. You'll also get feedback from people who call you with issues in terms of customer service or customer success stories, things like that. So there's many different ways to get input. The key is to organize it and maybe have someone who's kind of a point person to look at all of it and try to synthesize it. But there's still, there's still going to be questions and open areas that then that's where you need to say, we need to conduct our own direct research to answer these questions that we're not getting uh, from any other sources. Okay, no, that's fair enough. But, but, but would you say that like conducting research only once a year is too little? Probably, right? Well, it, it depends on if you just go out and listen to customer feedback once a year, yeah. I mean, but yeah. nowadays there's gonna be feedback on a regular basis. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, if methodology costs come down, then I think it, it makes sense to do them on a regular basis. I mean, it's kind of like the, the question, that, well, let's turn around the other way. How often do you want to innovate? How often do you want to work on building loyalty? How often do you point. want to build mm -hmm. on, you know, testing your messaging to see if it's really resonating, right? It, it, you have to answer yourself those questions. You know, how many campaigns are you doing per year? And how do you want to make sure that those campaigns are going to be successful when you launch them and they're resonating in terms of the messaging? Or do you want to just stab in the dark and find out if it works or not? That's a fair point. That's a fair point. It's almost as if like if you were a proactive and forward-thinking organization, you'd, always, you'd almost have to do market research at every opportunity you can get to make sure that, you know, what you're doing is 
is working. It's in line with 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 uh, you know what the market wants or getting market validation. So that's where that whole you know conducting uh, market research on a regular basis might come in. Well, if you think about it, running a business yeah. is really managing and minimizing risks, right? Because you're making lots of decisions, and you basically have two choices in making those decisions. One, you can just guess, right? Or based on some information, or you can actually get feedback from your customers. <laughs> and to me, it seems a little bit easier to actually get the feedback from the customers as opposed to totally stabbing in the dark. Because then you can make a much more informed decision. And are you going to be guaranteed success? No, because there's lots yeah. of variables that you know drive that in terms of your, your mindset to actually make sure you're listening versus selling. And, and being open to, you know, maybe recognizing that the path you initially wanted to go down may not have been the right one, but now what you're listening and hearing is something that might be a better variation of that or mm. a, a better iteration and, and focus and a direction to go in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the just guessing approach, I probably wouldn't recommend it and neither would you. <laughs> Well, I mean, there are some yeah. people that have really good intuition. They have a good pulse of it. And sometimes, you know, they're going to have a, a better batting average. But mm. in the long run, the long I run. think we can all improve your batting average if I'm using a baseball term. But, you sure. know, if you basically have more feedback and are much more connected with your customers. Yeah. And ultimately, think about it, you know, why do you even exist if you're not there to satisfy a customer need or want and help them? then chances are, you know, you're going to at some point have a disconnect. Yep. No, totally agree. Totally agree. All right, Darshan, we get to the uh, point in the conversation where you give us something actionable. So let's appreciate, and let me just set this up for a second here. Let's appreciate that some of the stuff, you know, you can't do like overnight. There isn't an app that you can download and you get all this stuff. But what are some immediate steps uh, that you think B2B marketers uh, can take to leverage insights one research for better results. So any quick wins, any low hanging fruit? Yeah, I mean, the easiest start having conversations, right? Even if they're one-on-one -on -one interviews or just go in and talk to more and more customers on a regular basis and really have the right mindset to ask and be curious and to delve deeper. And once you're comfortable with that, then you can expand to doing, let's say groups or focus groups uh, online or in person. And then that's a little bit more formalized, but I think you'll see some great benefits coming from that. And then, of course, you know, also uh, combine those efforts with doing surveys on a regular basis. And then, of course, don't neglect all the other channels you're going to get feedback from, you know, customer service to, you know, people reaching to you for various questions and issues. So all of those things really add up. But more than anything, I think it's, it's about changing the mindset to be having structured curiosity and willing to really listen to what people are really saying. Because sometimes people are not that articulate. And you have to really listen to what's driving the, the pain point or the issue um, beyond just what they're saying. Yeah, no, those are some really good points. Um, you actually just made me think of something else, um, which is another reason why companies should probably conduct uh, market research regularly, because the business environment and regulations change. And that might actually Absolutely. impact, uh, that actually might impact their business, right? Like, I mean, just, just think about the past two years. I'm not going to say the word, but like, you know, you know what's been going on around the world. We just had a discussion about it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Something that starts with a C and ends with a D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, like I, I have COVID. heard of that. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But that aside, um, 
you've probably seen them too, like these trends in different industries that were a long time coming anyway. Right. Well, like that's it, a big trend that's definitely influenced the way people behave mm -hmm. and act and some of the decisions they're making now. It's absolutely made it uh, yeah. an impact on decision making yes. at the personal level, but also at the professional level. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, we can't we can't really talk about insights of market research without talking about some kind of metrics or attribution, right? And I know that a lot of it really depends on what exactly you're you're uh, researching. But are there any specific metrics that you would say B2B marketers should be paying attention to? You know, there's lots of metrics now you can do, especially because of the digital world, because you can track, you know, clicks, things like that. You can do A-B testing. So that stuff is valuable. However, I think there might be a little bit too much emphasis on some of those metrics. And keep in mind, those metrics are telling you what people have done, but they still don't tell you what drives it, what's actually underlying the action that's being taken. And that's where I think if you have a better understanding of your customers and you know whether they're having a good, positive experience or not, quite honestly, if you know that and you know you're doing well on that front as a metric, all the other metrics should be pretty good then. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But I, I, I guess you gotta kind of strike a balance because it's going back to what you said before. Sometimes when you do um, have conversations with customers, they might not necessarily know uh, what the solution is, right? They're they're gonna tell you what the what the challenges are and the pain point, but then it's up to you to like decide, okay, how to come up with a solution and how to kind of measure that, right? Like how to put that into perspective. Sure, but they can give you feedback on the experience. Do they like it? Do they don't like it? And mm -hmm. so you can gauge that over time. Is that improving in terms of overall experience and the interaction with you as a company at multiple points of interaction, right? That's something you can definitely gauge and measure. And that's something you can quantify uh, over time. Is that's a measure. So there's, there's many things, but I think sometimes there's a little bit over-reliance on the metrics partly because you, you can get them, right? Because you have a website, you have, uh, let's say an online ordering system, you can actually test the clicks, you can see which ads people click on. So that information is there and it's valuable. I just think it needs to be balanced with understanding the context of what's maybe behind the big data that we're getting. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, here's an opportunity for you to get in your soapbox. <laughs> Because you you might have a lot to say when it comes to this question, but um, a status quo that you passionately disagree with and why? I think people who are not willing to change are often going to be inviting problems down the line. And also those who are not willing to listen to maybe the person who is a bit more critical or um, what I would, they might consider complaining, because those are often the things that really are opportunities for change and innovation and I think, as we talked about earlier, the one constant in life and in business is change. And your choice is not whether change is going to occur. Your question to really answer is, do you want to be a, a subject of the change or do you want to be part of the change? And I think if you truly want to innovate and differentiate, then one of the best ways to do that is to garner insights. As I said in the book, I, I truly feel that today's insights are tomorrow's facts. I mean, if you look at the world around us, many things that we take for like it's always been there, have not always been there. It's because someone had an insight and it created. For example, you and I grew up at a time, we did not have smartphones or mobile devices like we do now. And now yep. I don't think we could really live without them. You know, they become part of uh, an everyday uh, uh, valuable piece of uh, device that we use on a regular basis. But 
there's a whole generation that grew up with it from day one, right? And so they think it's just part of the way the world is, but it wasn't always that way. It was an insight that someone had and it led to, and in fact, even the phones we're using now mm-hmm. are not the first generation. There've been oh. many iterations that have come down to the ones we have now that basically don't have keyboards that you know are much more powerful and so on. So these all things that are stemmed from insights that someone had, and at some point they became a fact of life. I love that. I love that. And, and that, that was such a great um, uh, anecdote. I mean, like I, I remember back in my school days, like the payphone was a hit, right? So you'd have people like queuing up to use the payphone. And then in my university days in Singapore, um, pagers were a hit. So for those of you in the audience that don't know what a pager is, it's <laughs> it's not a mobile phone. I'll tell you that. It, it, it buzzes and vibrates to let you know that you get a message or you have somebody that's trying to call you and you got to go to a payphone and dial a number and then you listen to the message. And that's the way that we used to communicate back then, right? But somehow yeah. or other, despite not having mobile phones back then, we still managed to meet up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just got to make sure you're in, a, you know, you're in a place with a landline at some point so that you could agree to meet and have, a, you know, arrange your appointments. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, you know, the, the, I've seen there's basically three things that really drive whether a business is going to be successful. And then there's a plus one. And those three things are ultimately your chance of being successful. If you can do one of these is pretty good, but if you can do two or three, it's even better. And that's if you can save people time, money, or, you know, uh, save them time or money or make it easier, right? Your chance of being successful, if you can do one or all three are pretty good. However, if you can then tie that to an emotion, then your chance of being successful can be much more. It can be maybe six, 12, I don't know, 12X. It really depends on the emotion you're evoking. So those are the things that are going to most likely uh, ensure that you're successful. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, it, it, it sounds so easy in theory, but in application, we all know that it, you know, it, it does come with a ton of uh, sets of challenges for sure. <laughs> sure. Darshan? This was an awesome conversation as expected. I, I really enjoyed having this discussion with you. So thanks again for your time. Um, you know, quick intro to yourself and uh, how people can get in touch with you. Sure, they can visit the website iresearch.com or just reach out to me via email at dm at iresearch.com. And it was a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate the opportunity, Christian. Thanks so much. So uh, take care, stay safe and uh, talk to you soon. Sounds great. I look forward to continuing the conversation. Okay, bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Music